namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa aparutha desangamathasathavara ye sauravantha bhamunchantu satang This evening is the observance night, full moon of March, and it'll be about two weeks left of this winter's retreat. I'll be returning to Chitthurst tomorrow. In meditation, the, the Tamajaka Pavatana Sutta is is to me the uh, kind of uh, perfect uh, teaching. Because uh, everything can, is contained in it that you need to know. You know on the on the level of uh, conventional knowing, and then the the point of it is to practice to batibat, Pali word batibata. So it's, it, as you can see, we can even memorize the whole sutta. It doesn't take you know that much effort to be able to memorize the whole thing in Pali. And then to even understand the English translation doesn't take very long, not lengthy or beyond the average person's ability, but to put it into practice, to to make it work for you, to use it, is it's a tool to use, not a sacred object in itself that you worship and uh, memorize and cling to. It's a very practical tool. <coughs> so seeing this is a convention that, uh, that we call the first uh, sermon of the Buddha after his enlightenment. So it has a history but also, it's extremely practical, and it and it's based on the, you know, the Buddha used the common reality of human dissatisfaction as as the first noble truth. So the dukkha is the is translated as suffering or dissatisfaction, not being at ease, feeling a lack of something, the general feeling that most human beings have everywhere in the world, no matter who they are, what their status is, whether they're male or female, young or old. So they're taking something so banal and so ordinary uh, and making a, and, and using it as a noble truth for liberation from delusion to realize Nibbana. 
So when you think of it, that's quite a brilliant thing to be doing. Uh, he wasn't speaking from metaphysical position about talking about the ultimate reality and and uh, as some kind of uh, you know inspired teaching that would make us long for that reality, but pointing to the very longing tendency of the human heart, wanting, not wanting something. Dukkha is generally what we don't want. We don't want suffering, dis-ease, lack, unhappiness, old age, sickness, death. These are usually what we don't want. <coughs> and what we do want is a pleasure, happiness, beauty, goodness, excitement, romance, adventure, uh, interesting things to be involved with, fascinating lifestyle, meaningfulness, purpose to our lives, status, being respected, admired, healthy, good-looking, forever young. Now this is, to study this, to rec recognize what wanting desire is. So the second noble truth is uh, there is the cause of suffering, which is attachment to desire. So desire or wanting is is to, you know, it's not something to get rid of or resist or deny, but recognize. So say in my own practice over the years, I've become an expert on desire. This is, sounds like boasting, I suppose. <laughs> but just in examining this second noble truth over and over for 40 years, you get to know it. All the, the permutations and variations of desire that can arise in, in my consciousness. Because it's not just like, you know, desire is some kind of gross, obvious, kind of greedy, lustful desire, even though it certainly have enough of those, but the, but the subtle kind, not wanting, not wanting things, even wanting good things, wanting uh, peace and happiness, wanting harmony, good relationships, joy and love, even wanting the good things or the best, not wanting the ugly things, not wanting disharmony or, or criticism or unfairness, not wanting unfairness, not wanting to be ridiculed or humiliated, not wanting to see suffering in others, not wanting the world to be the way it is. Not wanting my own mental states can be, seem to be even right. Something that is negative and mean and nasty, something you shouldn't want. So not wanting, and sometimes it even seems righteous. So, then these three kinds of desire, gama dhanna, pawa dhanna, vipawa dhanna, it's spelled out very clearly, you know, put in three categories, to investigate. So, like investigation is, is the kind of, is, the, is how the Buddha, what the Buddha would encourage us to do, to investigate, to get to the root cause of, to really look, you know, very directly at what one is experiencing here and now. So, there's many words in Pali and that is Yonisomanathika, get, getting to the very root, you know, getting to the, where it all begins and arises. Because desire is a condition, it's a sankhara, it arises and ceases.
So, in this way, the the uh, emphasis on awareness, mindfulness, is to be a, to be aware of desire. Awareness is not a desire. It's a natural state. So if you, if you want to be aware, then you're grasping an idea of awareness. I want to be mindful. I want to be more mindful. I don't want to be heedless. You're still caught in the, in the desire realm of wanting something or not wanting heedlessness. So getting to the very root right at the beginning is is uh, is what mindfulness is all about awakenness attention noticing observing witnessing the way it is <coughs> so if you if you if you still have the illusion that you would like to be more mindful, look at that. You know, if you think you're not a very mindful person, and that you should be more mindful, if you're holding to that sense of I'm not mindful enough, I should be more mindful. Look at that very that sense of I am somebody that is not mindful and I should be somebody that is. Now how do you look at that? Well, I, the way I do it is by thinking it out. You know, I listen, I watch my own thinking process. So, this time, sometimes you have to keep repeating over and over till you really get it. I am not aware enough, I'm heedless, and I need to practice more to become more mindful. So I, I put it in quite deliberate terms, but I listen to it. I'm listening, observing this thinking process that's based on the assumption I am somebody, I am a person who shouldn't be heedless. I'm too heedless and I should be more mindful. If you keep listening, repeating it over and over with the, with the intention of listening to it, not believing it, not disbelieving it, but just recognizing that this is, these are words that you create. The sense of I am somebody, I'm a, this person who is heedless, is what you're creating. Thinking is what you create into consciousness. It's not, thinking isn't, isn't the natural, you're not born with thinking. But consciousness is natural. Dhamma and, and then the uh, awareness. So consciousness in a separate form like human body like this, being born in, in, in a form like this human body that's sitting here, consciousness, from this point, so that the, the form is is a form in the universe, and it's uh, and a form then is a condition, and so it's it exists in a universe that impinges on its senses. So you've, you've got the you know light and dark, you see, hear, smell, taste, touch. And then we think we have we have uh, human beings where w what kind of denotes us or brings us to a special position in the mammal world, mammalian world, is the fact that we have very very strong ability to retain memories. We have language. <coughs> we we name everything. We, we put names onto everything. And we think a lot and then we remember what's happened in the past. And then we project, we can conceive of a future. So we all, you know, tend to worry about the future. The predictions don't look all that great. 
for this planet, pollution and greenhouse effect, <laughs> climate change, overpopulation, and you name it, the, what people talk about these days is pretty gloomy in terms of the future. So when I was in Thailand in January, somebody gave me one of these books about the, you know, the oil crisis. And I read this book, and it was the most depressing book I ever read. You know, it made me think that it's going to happen tomorrow. Suddenly, you know, the world's economy is going to collapse. And I probably wouldn't even be able to get on a plane back to England because it's going to collapse before before the flight. <laughs> and so bringing it more to the immediate possibility of the, of the whole world economy collapsing. But it seems to be still be going on and, and uh, who knows when that's going to happen, but that's the future, isn't it? The possibility. So in the awareness then, this is why uh, in recognizing and realizing the value of awareness is not, it's not like jhana or a special kind of concentration practice, it's a natural state. You're returning to what's natural, to what's not self, that is not created by me, is not compounded through ignorance. So, so it's learning to recognize. So the third noble truth is, is recognizing this natural state. When you, when you let go of desire, you haven't annihilated it, you haven't destroyed desire as a, on a, in any permanent way, you let go of it, now letting go means that you can, uh, you, just the ability to observe it, you're actually letting go of it. Desires like this. So you, you observe the wanting something, not wanting something. And to observe it, you know, you, you know, don't be afraid of desire. You, you know, in the monastic form we do have limitations on physical behavior and speech. So we respect that. We try to keep our active sides within the boundaries of the traditional uh, Vinaya discipline. So that's our agreement as a Sangha. But then the, but then the desire, you can still have desires uh, for things beyond the boundaries. There's nothing wrong with that. But notice what it is. It's to learn the nature of desire. Desire, wanting, wanting something I don't have. Wanting to become something. I feel I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough monk. I want to become a better monk. I want to become a Sotapanna. I want to become an Arhant. I want to become Sangharaja of the world. I want to become the Pope of Buddhist worldwide international. <laughs> you can be as ridiculous as you want, as long as you're aware. <laughs> the point is to be aware. You know, you can you can take things to total absurdity, but but. Uh, uh, but the point is to be aware of thinking, how thinking is like that, wanting, wanting something better, wanting to be better. Is what? What is that like? Wanting, not being, not feeling good enough, not feeling intelligent enough or good enough. What's that like? So you, you know, and in order to, 
to see that so you can let it go, you have to allow it to be fully conscious. And that's all thinking then helps to, intentional thinking helps to make things conscious. Like wandering mind is one thing, where we just wander away in our thoughts. Become, you know, so we analyze or judge. And we think wanting to become uh, the Pope of Universal Buddhism is uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's not uh, very modest ambition. <laughs> it could be criticized. <laughs> but it is what it is. It's a creation of my mind, isn't it? It's wanting status or wanting to be respected to to be the best to be at the at the top to be the the most admired and the best is uh, is like this then there's a part of me that that feels disgusted with that anybody who wants to be the pope of universal buddhism is a is a megalomaniac it's disgusting and then I start denigrating it. Because if I heard it in somebody else, I would think, stupid person. I don't want to be Pope of the universe. <laughs> so, I mean, it is listening to, taking things to absurdity. So you can begin to just you know, well, sometimes we're frightened of our own minds, of our own thoughts, our own emotions. So we, 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 we suffer a lot trying to resist. Uh, we, we pass criticisms, make judgments about ourselves according to the way we're feeling or what we're thinking. So we say, oh, this is a, a bad thinking. I shouldn't be thinking these bad thoughts. Or I shouldn't be uh, angry or averse to somebody and things like this. I shouldn't be. So that by listening to this, you begin to see this. This, this is all created through language, through thought. I'm somebody that shouldn't have the feeling that I'm having. Is like this. Now, being aware of that, that awareness, and this is very important to, to, to discern the difference between awareness isn't, uh, isn't judgmental, and it's not, you know, it can be aware of anger, but it's not angry. It can be aware of lust, but it's not lustful. It can be aware of, of uh, uh, overwhelming ambition, but not be sullied by it. it. It knows it, it's like this, but it's not, it's not that. So that's where you get these, these uh, statements like the way it is, the suchness as isness. It's like this. Awareness is like this. So then, as you recognize and cultivate to recognize, you have to recognize what, it, what awareness is, even though it, it's a natural state and it's nothing, something you, you don't have, but you don't recognize it. You don't appreciate awareness because you're so bound to your desires, your identification with the five khandhas, the six senses, and on and on like that. So you, you're reborn all the time. The rebirth process is always taking place according to what you attach to. I don't worry about rebirth in the, you know, after your body dies. You can, you can recognize what it is just by paying attention to what you're thinking and feeling right now. Because we're taking 
Like the Buddha said, I give only a handful of leaves. He's not giving us all the leaves in the forest, thank goodness. We would be overwhelmed by all the leaves in the forest, wouldn't we? I would, anyway. Imagine trying to count all the leaves in the forest. And he didn't say how, what, how big the forest is. But that's India back 2,500 years ago, so the forest must have been very big. <laughs> but even the forest we have, 12 acres across the road, that would take forever to count all the leaves. So five, four noble truths, five khandhas, six sayatanas, these are all within our average human being's range of reflection. So notice how the Buddha made uh, simplified everything. And, and practice means, like, good practice means we're moving towards simplicity. Ultimate simplicity is where your, your sense, your awareness is so complete that you, you never lose it. You're totally trusting, completely aware and not caught in delusion. That would be an arahant. But an arahant then would still breathe and eat food and go to the toilet and get hot and cold and get old and get illnesses, die, still feel things, still has the vipaka come of being born as uh, as a human being, but the arahant is no longer deluded by by the five khandhas, six ayatanas, having penetrated the four noble truths. There are three aspects of each truth and the twelve insights. So this Theravada package is very neatly presented, and. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's uh, something to now use in a continuous way. Like to, to use this in a con as a continuity of practice. Now the, now the sati, sampatanya, Mindfulness, awareness, here and now, intuitive awareness, means that it is a timeless reality. Because time depends on thinking. So we, we create time with our thoughts, the past, the future. Even the thought of the present, we can still conceive the present with a thought, but not be mindful. But when we're mindful, then it's here and now. These words like here and now isn't, isn't a concept we cling to, but it's a reminder. Because it can only be this way here and now. You can't, you know, as much as you might think, I, I don't like the way it is here and now. The reality is the way it is right now is the only way it can be at this moment, here and now the body, the feeling, whatever is arising, whatever you're thinking uh, or feeling. It's like this. So then this is like intuitive awareness, Satisambhachanya, where you're, instead of reacting to thinking and feeling, and the physical body, you're aware, you're, you're aware of it, you're accepting it. You're allowing the body-mind to be what it is at this moment. So that's what we mean by sampachanya, this, this wide spectrum, you know, boundless acceptance of, of the way it is. So that, like intuition, the English word is, I used it 
for this, you know, it's like an intuitive moment is not a thought moment. A thought moment is time, because you can only have one thought at a time. Can't you? you can't think two thoughts at the same moment. But intuitive awareness includes everything in the moment. So it's not a verbal condition thing, but it's, it's the ability that each one of us has to pay attention, to receive this moment now, the here and now, like this. In not as not describing it, judging it, liking or disliking it, but accepting it, allowing it to be like this. Now this is beyond conception. So if you're trying to think about it, you, know, you, you, you know, don't bother trying to think about it. <laughs> because thought, remember, is a very limited function of the mind. This is where you have to trust this, recognize this awareness is like this. So I'm not, I'm not thinking about it, but recognizing. So when I, this is then I experience this stillness. A sense of boundlessness, infinity, because there's no boundary, there's no limitation to this. But it includes you. It's not a, an annihilation. I don't, I'm not excluding you from this moment or this uh, temple. Because the body's sitting here on this seat, in this way, consciousness, experiencing consciousness, which includes everything. And then from this point, from this, and they say this is the point that includes everything. Then I go to one thing. I look at my seat there. I exclude the rest of you by concentrating on the place I sit in. It's over there. It's been nicely covered with a new textile while I've been down at Chitters. <coughs> So I do notice these things. <coughs> and it doesn't like the triangle cushion. See, the trouble is when they make these seats for me, they, they cover the triangular cushion in a beautiful kind of satin smooth cloth. And so when you put it on the, on the seat, and you try to sit down, resting your back against it, it slides out from under you. So it might look nice, you know, when nobody's sitting there, but it's absolutely useless. <laughs> but this cloth, the kind of velvet type cloth, it kind of catches, so it, you can sit nicely on it, and the triangular pillow uh, doesn't slide away. That's a very nice place to sit, actually, one of these, uh, these velvet uh, coverings. I mean, uh, it might sound like I'm in for high-quality uh, upholstery, but it's also very practical. <laughs> you see, now I'm, I'm, I'm totally lost into the seat over there. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, I've been focusing on that, so the, the sense of infinity has is, is not been, you know, hasn't been uh, recognized. It's still present, but by focusing on an object, then I become interested, absorbed into the object. But because I know this, this is intentional, it's not just just, uh, you know, living in a world of just endless distractions, but 
you always return to this, no matter what you absorb into. You know, whatever you have to do, like work, or your computer, or the washing the dishes, or sewing, whatever. The thing is, you know, these things we can absorb in, do things, concentrate on objects. But if we don't have this, this perspective from the unlimited, then we, are, then we tend to just go for our life just as an experience of going from one thing to the next. <coughs> and that's the dukkha, because we're just lost in a world of unsatisfactory experiences. Because as nice as that cushion might be, it's still not something that is going to make me permanently happy or enlighten me. <laughs> so when I get tired of looking at that, then I go on the next thing. And then when I get finished with that, then the next, the next. That's how, you know, that's how the ordinary person lives. Just surfing the net, I think, is the term. Going from one thing to the next. But with awareness, yeah, you know, as this becomes, as this is recognized and appreciated, then it's, you know, it's stable, it's still, it's strong. It's unshakable. It's a gupa, on Pali word, a gupa jeda vimuti the unshakable deliverance of the heart. So that the, the, the conditioned realm is not to be despised or rejected, you know, not like mm -hmm. uh, enlightened beings that have nothing any, any more to do with anything. Uh, you know, they can't even, you know, tie their own shoelaces anymore. They become so so lost in the universal that they can't even feed themselves. What good would that be? Now, if everybody became enlightened, we'd all be. <laughs> Who'd do the dishes? So recognize that awareness is inclusive. So it's not a, it's not divisive. It's not saying the conditioned world is bad and we should reject it or resist it. Uh, the thinking mind will do that. You think I I want ultimate truth. I want to live in the realm of ultimate truth, and uh, and oneness and wholeness, nibbana, and I'm not going to have anything more to do with this miserable world, the vulgar herd. I'm beyond that now, and then that, that is another delusion. That's like wanting to be the Buddhist Pope of the universe. Now, the, say the thinking mind is critical mind. And the thinking is a critical function. So just observe, you know, your own thinking. When you think, you know, it's a, you know, this is right, wrong. This is how it should be. This is how it shouldn't be. And this is good and that's evil. And I'm good or I'm not so good or he's good or he isn't so good. I like this one, don't like that one. This is what, you know, what a good monk should be. And a good monk shouldn't be like that, shouldn't, shouldn't think bad thoughts, shouldn't be selfish, shouldn't, <coughs> uh, shouldn't uh, act like uh, in ways that I disapprove of. And I become critical. And that Notice how the critical mind is divisive, divides, good from bad. 
male from female, day from night. Condition and unconditioned, that's thinking again, isn't it? Condition is a thought, unconditioned is a thought. Nibbana is a thought. Buddhism is a thought. So when you create Buddhism as your refuge, then, then there are, what about the Hindus? Separate from them. And the Christians, separate. The Muslims, separate. We're different religion. And then we, then if we're really uh, true orange Buddhists, then we, we think our religion's better than theirs. We all know Theravada Buddhism is better than Islam. Certainly better than the Jehovah's Witnesses. So better is another is, is another thing. Better, best. The compare it, the way we compare the quality: good, better, best; bad, worse, worse. Now, really examine this, and to examine is to think it and observe it. And not, I'm not against thinking, or against language, or against anything, but getting to know it, to to no no longer be caught in the power of that delusion. You have to put a lot of time into just recognizing thinking is like this. To, to detach from thinking, you, you can't just want to detach and be able to detach from it. I don't want to think anymore. I want to give up thinking. I'm fed up with thinking. And you're still thinking while you're thinking you're fed up. You're still thinking. How, how do you get out of that? trap of just wanting and not wanting is to allow it to be conscious. So intentional thinking. I want to be the Buddhist Pope of the universe. Thinking it intentionally is like this. This is aware of that is 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 not uh, thinking because when you intentionally think then you you're no longer interested in in the in the kind of megalomania of that particular thought because that's a judgment isn't it you're just interested in in the, any thought will do you know a, an absurd thought a good thought bad thought whatever thought is thought now Crazy thought, good enough. Rational, sensible thought is like this. But the the point of this is is really getting to know, to separate, you know, through being attentive to thinking, and that which is aware, awareness of thinking is not a thought. So you keep reminding yourself. This is it, you know, this. So then by doing this, you know, I, then I am more resting in the natural stillness of being present, attentive. Don't have to close my eyes, shut everything out. I don't have to reject anything or control anything. So it's the it's the simple ability, natural ability to just awaken. So then we get to the very true meaning of the word Buddha, awakened consciousness. Awake. The word means awake. Attentive. Here and now. So then, you know, I use this, uh, what I call sound of silence, because that's what I recognize when, when there's a continuity, a sense of continuousness, flowingness, I don't create it. 
but I'm not, I don't, even the word sound of silence gets in the way, get, let go of that too, it's just this. A sense of, and then recognizing, trusting, knowing, they have the insight. So in chanting this Tamajaka Pavantana Sutra, he says, Vicha Uttabhati, Yanang Uttabhati, Panya Uttabhati, and so forth. Is it? This means this awareness, this insight, knowing is conscious. Uttabhati rises up in consciousness, knowing. Vicha is, is knowing truth, reality. Panya is wisdom. Jnana is, is, is knowledge, insight knowledge. <coughs> so it's uh, this is this is uh, it it appears utavati. So it's a this is a a knowing that isn't knowing about. It's not thinking. It's not conceptual. Uh, you know, it's not a not an idea or a concept or a feeling, but it is insight, it's a direct knowing that is not a personal as soon as you make it personal it, it, you've, you've, uh, you've uh, got lost again but it is this so there's three insights to each of the four noble truths which makes twelve insights So this, this is uh, the pattern, the, the pronouncement, the there is suffering, suffering should be understood, suffering has been understood. So this is, this is the pattern of reflection, of fl- reflective awareness. You know, so it, it gives you the, 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 the uh, intellectual bit, there is suffering, Let's call it Bariati Dhamma. Then, then the uh, then the prescription: how to deal with it, what to do with suffering, is to understand it. Should be understood. Barinyayanti, isn't it? It should be understood. So that means that tells you what to do with it. So turn to suffering, to dukkha, to to wanting, not wanting, to to the sense of dis-ease or unhappiness or just self-consciousness or whatever, you know, intensity or, or even if it's just a vague feeling of just not being, uh, you know, life being somehow disappointing, just something missing, something lacking, whatever it is, it can be just a, a sense of dis-ease or it can be you know, real anguish, angst, total despair. Should be understood and then that's what you, that's the bhati-bhata. So you, you practice with, this is, suffering is like this and you notice, you turn, you understand it, you stand under it, you Examine it. You notice. Now this is this takes uh, intuitive awareness because you're not analyzing anymore. You're not thinking, "Why do I have to suffer like this? What have I done in the past to deserve this karma? What you know? What's wrong with me that I should have all these problems?" And that then you get caught. You're back in the in, in the illusory world again. You'll never get anywhere with that. Except you'll get just more opinions about yourself as a person. But if you, you know, the Buddha wasn't pointing to to trying to figure out suffering, but to understand it is not an intellectual process, it's a recognition of it. And that's intuitive. So you're you're paying attention to whatever kind of 
sense of inadequacy or lack or or anguish or despair that you might be experiencing or pain in the in your body or whatever like this and then you have the suffering has been understood so this is uh, is what we the result of having practice that's a insight three insights to each noble truth so notice that this is what I call reflective pattern states that gives you the the, the truth in an intellectual way tells you what to do and the re- and then you you do that and you have the result suffering has been understood um, the origins of suffering have been let go of the cessation of suffering has been realized the eightfold path has been fully practiced has been realized has been developed. So if you think about it, have I really realized all these noble truths, me, Samedo Bhikkhu, who's given up my ambition to be the Buddhist Pope of the universe (laughs) in order to be a humble Bhikkhu, in order to realize the three aspects of each noble truth, and the hotel of insights in order to become an arahant because that's probably better than being Buddhist Pope of the universe. (laughs) (laughs) So these words like arahant or uh, these are these can never be claimed personally these are not personal. These are, when, you, when you claim it as a, on a personal level, you've missed it. Because you can't ever become an arahant or a sotapanna. It's not a matter of becoming anymore. It's a matter of awakening, recognizing, developing, letting go of ignorance, Letting go of desire is not an annihilation of anything. It's a process, a natural process of through uh, awareness that we, with using this particular teaching of the Buddha, Four Noble Truths, is uh, is is the you know the perfect uh, they presented. The best you can do, I think, on that level of of convention. <clears throat> but then, don't just attach the convention, or just ignore it, because it it is, you know, it's, it's something to to uh, really take seriously, investigate it. Not ask you to believe it, or even believe what I say. You know, not don't want you to, to go around, you know, saying Ajahn Sumato says, and uh, and I believe what Ajahn Sumato says. <laughs> if you do that, you, you know, you miss the point of this talk. So then there is the end of suffering, the cessation, and the way to live in a, you know, as a human being in the conventional world. Now then, you know, when we think, well, then I don't have to suffer anymore. You know, well, look at, you know, what about old age, sickness, death? You know, will I get out of that? And of course, you know that that's not suffering. 
the suffering is the attachment to desire out of ignorance. It's not even, you know, so it's, it's a vicha, ignorance of the Four Noble Truths. Attachment to the desires is the, is the whole kind of conditioning of the self, the social conventions, uh, conventional reality. It's all based on, on that, on ignorance, on a vicha uh, attachment and then the result is, no matter how good your society might be, you still suffer. You know, everybody suffers quite a lot in affluent societies. <coughs> because, uh, you know, there's still avicca attachment, ubadana, and dukkha as a result of that ignorance. So, in this way, you're actually breaking out of the cycle, getting getting beyond just the, the the habitual patterns of your thoughts, identities with your memories. You're not rejecting it or denying it, but you're you're transcending it. You're seeing it. You're knowing it in terms of dhamma, rather than always interpreting everything on a on a personal level. So that refuge in Dhamma is <coughs> so in Dhamma, getting old, getting sick, illness, pain, death, these are all the natural result of birth. You know, so birth is the cause of death. Why is it that we you know, people want babies and like things that you know the because you're just bringing you know, this being into the world, so he'll die. <laughs> How many of you have ever thought of that one? <clears throat> but it is something to contemplate, isn't it? Birth is the cause of death. And uh, beginning, something that begins always has an ending. And it's impermanent, the Nietzsche. Observing this is, and knowing this, in terms of seeing it directly, jnana dasana, vicha, jnana, panya. So then the, this is an intellectual knowing, or, you know, having a clever intellect where you, you can, you know all the right words. This is direct knowing. So during this uh, time, the, the remaining part of the winter's retreat, I encourage uh, you to to uh, practice. Don't be frightened, or you know, just to, if you are frightened, you know, or or self-critical. Admit it, you know, it's like this. To hate, to be critical of myself is like this. And then I listen. But that which listens to me criticizing myself is not a self. You know, so I notice this awareness is this. this. This critical mind is something I'm creating in the present. I don't like this and I shouldn't feel like this. Uh, is something I create. If I stop thinking, if I notice the space around the words, then more and more I begin to recognize awareness is my refuge. Satisampajanya, awakenness, and and that then, the, uh, you know, is it has a continuity to it. As you value it and trust it, recognize it, then it it sustains itself. You don't have to keep trying to, to you know, you don't have to control everything to get it anymore, like you do uh, samadhis. Now you want tranquility and pleasant abidings in pleasant absorptions. It means you have to control a lot. 
This is, is doesn't mean you have to control anything. It's just awakening, recognizing, knowing. So I offer this for your reflection. <laughs>